Hi, I am John, and I welcome you to my next podcast, Letters of the Oracle, addressed to the Church of the Unknown Christians and to the saints of God scattered abroad all around the world. I will be covering and examining more from the Odyssey, the book, A Chronicle of Two Adams, and The Regaining of Paradise. Because of the nature of what I'm going to be sharing on, I want to play a song I wrote a few years ago about the seed, that everything God has put within us was put in the seed before the foundation of the world. So we're going to bring forth like kind of what God has planted in us. So I want you just to enjoy this as we look together into the fullness of what it means to be a child of God, a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Coming on. 
Corinthians 15, 45-58, we read about Godhead's heavenly kingdom law to bring forth his children, you and I, via creation from the first Adam to the last Adam. First the natural, then the spiritual. These are very important laws that we need to understand. Jesus first revealed this to us in his discourse with Nicodemus in John 3, 1 to 6. And I read, There was a certain person who was a member of the Pharisees. His name was Nicodemus, and he was one of the rulers of the Jews. This person came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we all know that you are a teacher. You're a teacher who has come from God, as no one could perform the miraculous signs that you do unless God were with them. And Jesus gave an astounding answer. Let me emphasize this, he said, that unless one is born from above, one is not able to see God's realm. This, to me, doesn't have anything to do with Nicodemus's question. But Jesus has something far more important to share with him than Nicodemus was able to comprehend. So Nicodemus asked, how can a person be born again when they're already old? Surely a person can't go back into their mother's womb a second time to be born again. Jesus answered, let me emphasize this. Unless someone has been born from water and spirit, that person cannot enter God's realm. Living things of the natural realm can only give birth to other living things of the natural realm. It's all in the seed. It is the spirit who gives birth to the spirit. Don't be surprised at my statement. You must be born from above. End of the quote. I did put some of my comments in while I was reading there. I hope you didn't mind. But it's all in the seed, my dear friend, my brother, my sister. I recommend reading the rest of this account in John 3 as Nicodemus found it difficult to comprehend even the natural thing Jesus was talking about. 
And if we don't understand those things, Jesus said, how will we understand or comprehend when he talks about the things of the spiritual realm? The, the issue is, of course, that Nicodemus had not yet been born from above. He was still only born in the first man, the first Adam of the lower natural realm, where water for the natural life always leaves one thirsty. That is, always we are found in a perishable state unless replenishment is regularly found. This natural realm we need to know, comes first, then the spiritual realm, second. And this is the ministry, the main ministry of the Apostle Paul in helping us understand the gospel. In 1 Corinthians fifteen forty nine, we find that God's law of creation for his children is, as we have all borne the image of the earthy man, so shall we also bear the image of of the heavenly man. Now this encompasses both the Old Testament and the New Testament covenants. Furthermore, there is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that has set us free from the law of sin and death. This law is a much higher law and transfers or translates us into the kingdom realm of the Son of God's love. Now that is a, a very important transfer and translation that we as human beings need to experience. We read about this in Romans 8 verses 1 through 11 and I quote, I thank God that deliverance from the natural realm comes through Jesus, the anointed one, our Lord. So it is then that I myself serve the law of God with my mind but I serve the law of sin with my nature. So the case is that there is no condemnation to those who are united with the anointing of Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life, united with the anointing of Jesus, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law has the inability to do because of the weakness of the natural realm, God did by sending his own son. He sent him, in the likeness of the sinful natural realm and to be a sacrificial offering in place of sin. God passed judgment against sin in the natural realm. He did this so that the commandment of the law would be fulfilled in us, we who do not live out our lives in accordance with the natural realm, but in accordance with the spirit. Those who live out their lives in accordance with the natural realm think on the level of the natural realm. But those who live out their lives in accordance with the spirit think on the level of the spiritual realm. For the outlook of the natural person is death. But the outlook of the spiritual person is life and peace. In fact, the thought processes of the natural realm are hostile to God, for they do not support the law of God, nor do they have the ability to do so. And this was designed by God. <coughs> Excuse me. Those who are of the natural realm cannot please God. But you are not of the natural realm. Rather, you are of the spiritual realm, if indeed 
the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of the Anointed One, this person does not belong to the Anointed One. But if the anointing is in you, on the one hand your body is a corpse because of sin, but on the other hand your spirit is alive because you have been made right with God, by God. And since the spirit of him who raised Jesus from among the dead lives in you, he who raised the anointed one from among the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. In Romans 14.23, we also read about his heavenly kingdom, law of faith, which states that whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Faith does not come from the natural realm. Disobedience in sin does. Faith comes from the spiritual realm, as does obedience and righteousness. James the Apostle writes about the perfect law of liberty or freedom, in James 1 and 2, regarding God's life given to those who believe, which is full of mercy whilst living by faith in this natural realm, he says. The Apostle Paul also writes that the life that I now live in the natural, or the flesh, as the King James Version says, I live by means of faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's in Galatians 2:20. Everyone, since the beginning of time, is caught between the lowering and the great descending impact of the first Adam and his outstanding default state of disobedience. This is together with our temporal vocation that all are therefore short of God's glory. The greater, the greater ascending and glorifying impact of the last Adam and his upstanding learned state of obedience is to raise us all into the paradise of God's heavenly kingdom in order to equip the universe of God. Here we finish our full development, our eternal place, position and function as his body and our eternal vocation with Godhead's gifts and wealth bestowed on us for his kingdom realm to reveal the full glory of God. We read about this in 1 Corinthians 15 and also in Ephesians 4, 4 through 10. He says, There's one body, there's one spirit, there's one invitation, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above everything, works through everything, and is in everything. God measured out his favor to us, and the Anointed One has given each one of us a gift, Paul tells us. This is why the scriptures say, When he ascended on high, he led along prisoners and gave gifts to people. This he ascended, what does it mean? It means that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth or to the lower realms of the natural life. The one who descended is also the very one who ascended above all the heavenly places in order to equip the universe. The King James Version says in order to fill all things, but in the Greek it makes it very clear it's much more than that. It's talking about equipping his whole universe. 
Now we want to talk about the first manifestation in creation, the first Adam, the beginning. The only Son of God descended, giving up the glory before the foundation of the world, and thereby lowering lowering all of creation into the natural temporal realm. Now you've got to grasp this. This is very important. The Son of God, the only Son of God, descended. He gave up the glory before the foundation of the world so he could descend. And thereby he lowered all of creation into this natural temporal realm. This was done in order to be the natural prototype and father of all natural men by becoming a living soul in a created body of clay for this purpose. In John 17, a very important chapter in the New Testament, it is recorded that he refers to this as praying to his Father by referring back to where he actually descended from the glory in his prayer. You need to read it. The works of the natural world and its realm were finished from the foundation of the world. And there are many scriptures that testify of this. John 17, 1, verses 4 and 5, verse 24, Luke 3, 38, Galatians 4, 1 through 7, Hebrews 4, 3, for further references to this first manifestation in creation. And there's more. Now, let's talk about the second manifestation in creation, the last Adam, the end, the finished work. The only Son of God emancipated all humans by being born of a woman, a virgin who was brought out of his side as the first Adam. Again, take a look at Luke chapter 3, and particularly verse 38. At around 30 years of age, the second man and last Adam then received the Spirit of God without measure at his baptism in order to gather all captives after his death to preach the gospel to them and take them into paradise in order to prepare them and all of us for ascension after his resurrection. He is now the Ascended One and has been given a name that is above every name, having been exalted by God after his finished work as the last Adam, declared, declared by himself in John 17 verse 4. And far above all, enveloping everything and everyone from the lowest abyss to the highest of heavens. He embraces everyone and everything. In John 19.30 we read, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the Spirit. The works of the spiritual world in its realm were finished from the foundation of the resurrected world after the last Adam's death on the cross. From there, he first went and preached the good news, his gospel of the eternal foundation that he had laid for all the dead, even to the whole, even to the whole world of those entire generations he lost. He preached the gospel to the entire generations he lost in the great flood before Noah. And he led them all out of captivity, Peter tells us. The Apostle Paul confirms this also in his testimony in Colossians 1, 19-23. And when Jesus told Martha in John eleven twenty five and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, 
Though he were dead, yet shall he live. He's referring to all the dead. And whoever lives and believes in me, that's those of us who are alive and hear about him and and hear his gospel, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. That's John 10, 16. Jesus also told his disciples and the Jews who were questioning him, And other sheep, he said, I have which are not of this fold, that is, the fold of Israel, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So refer to First Peter chapter three, eighteen through twenty two, and first Peter chapter four, one through six for further references to this second manifestation in creation. After Jesus had preached the gospel to all the dead, all those who had died from Adam to his death on the cross, Jesus next showed himself to his earthly mother, Mary, and to all of his disciples as they came looking for him. None of them could recognize him after his resurrection, not even his mother, Mary, until he spoke her name. So then she recognized his voice, thus fulfilling his saying in John ten twenty seven, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This transitioned Mary into a new dimension of sisterhood to her Lord. Jesus had not yet ascended, so he forbade her to touch him as his mother, yet showed himself to Mary before he had ascended. I find this so profound. She was entitled, of course, to touch him later, along with all the disciples, after he had ascended to his father. But Jesus spent time with many people for forty days before he told them to go to Jerusalem to wait for the infilling of the Holy Spirit and his power before he left for his throne in heaven. This was in order to send the Holy Spirit to return as himself with the Father in the Spirit, to live in them, in their power, and not leave them as orphans, as he promised in John 14. We also read in Philippians 2, 9-11, and I quote, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth. That means those who have ascended and are alive, those who are dead and buried, and those who are alive on the earth, not yet dead or ascended. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And in Romans 14, 11, 22, sorry, 11 through 12, It is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. That's every knee, every tongue, not just the saved tongues, every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now I want to point this out and make it very clear. This bowing the knee, this of everyone bowing the knee, and, conf- and confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord is because God at that time is requiring all to give an account to him 
of themselves. Of you know, We have to give an account. All human beings must give an account of ourselves to God. This is the purpose of every knee bowing and every tongue confessing, giving an account of himself to God. This is the confession, acknowledgement, account by all of God the Father's children that the Anointed One, Jesus, is the Lord of glory, by which and in whom we all have been made one perfect, complete family, or are on the road to this place of perfection, a work in progress for many of us, many having completed the schooling. Now I want to talk about being an overcomer with Jesus of the natural life. To be an overcomer, we must fulfill obedience in the following three areas. First one, eternal life. The second one, internal life. And the third one, external life. Now, none are more important than each other. They are all 100% important. So, number one, our spirit must be born of God. Once born of God, always born of God. Born of God's eternal life, with no beginning and no end. This is experienced by us as an awakening or a quickening. We receive the life with the mind of the spirit, with a new consciousness that has no beginning and no end. Eternal life is a gift. Number two, our soul needs God's salvation, the most subjective renewal and is why we're on earth. The journey to transformative obedience, internal life, has a beginning and an end. It begins in childhood disobedience, the fruit of a lowered amorphous impure conscience, and ends in obedience by being conformed to the image of God's soul or mind, the fruit of a higher, crystal-clear, pure conscience with no guile found in us anymore. This is experienced by us as schooling for transformational development into the life and nature of God, so our souls match our Godhead's soul. Now have a look at Hebrews 9, chapter 9 and chapter 10 through 38 and 39. Number three, our body needs God's redemption. That is a purchase and exchange related to external life, our external life from a mortal tent, which is a holy temple, even in its temporary state, to an immortal building, the holy temple, the true temple, a temple made without hands. This is experienced by us as a seed pod, a perishing body falling into the ground to die, to perish, because God wants what's in the seed to come forth, to bring forth fruit and bearing much eternal glory as God's holy city in ascension after death by resurrection. Here we are changed in the twinkling of an eye when mortality puts on immortality. 
To be an overcomer is simply to become an obedient one. And I will end this podcast here so that you can recover, re-go through, re- re- reconsider and, and perhaps go through it before we move on to podcast number six where we'll be looking at the past, present and future record of the two Adams, the Son of God. <laughs>